Hi, this is Bill Walton. Welcome to the show. Well, 2020 is a year I think we can all agree has been among the most catastrophic in history. I'm sure they're worse, like maybe the day Rome fell or 1789 when they pulled out the guillotine in Paris, but maybe, maybe even those were not as bad as 2020. But I am a silver lining guy. Um, I always see sort of the, the glass half full and you know while we focus on the distancing and the masks and the and the a lot of the destruction of small business there are a lot of positive things that can be taken from what uh what we've all gone through and i think these are positive things that uh, we ought to reflect on as we go into 2021 which i expect will be a better year a different year but better and i wanted to talk with the team that that i work with to help make this show um, Brian McNichol, uh, Frank Wazitur, Alona Wazitur, and Rich McFadden, because we got to kicking this around earlier in the week and they had a lot of good ideas and I thought we would uh, uh, we dive right into those. But I guess before I do that, I just found out when we were getting ready to do this, Brian had COVID this year and so did Frank and Alona. And so, as I joked, I, I can't wait to get it next so I can be a member of the new club of the, the in guys. Uh, so, uh, Frank, why don't you why don't you kick off with what your what you what your takeaway is and, you know, what yours your year's been like and what what you see could be a positive uh, uh, going forward? Yeah, well, you know. I think number one with this year is that you uh, see the indomitability of the human spirit. You see that although a bunch of businesses have gone out of businesses that you've seen record numbers of new businesses coming about. So people, you know, are kind of taking the chance to, to engage in their freedom and, and build things up and, you know, to say, Hey, I got nothing left to lose. So, you know, like let's get rolling with that idea. It's a new opportunity rather than a, you know, than a bad thing. Rich. I would probably say that even though we are being forced into a lot of situations that we, we don't like right now, uh, that coming out on the other side, we're going to end up with uh, some really cool advances. And uh, specifically, I'm watching my kids with their virtual learning. Uh, the teachers hate it. The school systems hate it. The students definitely hate it. The parents definitely hate it. And it's hard. And our kids are being used as guinea pigs uh, out of necessity. But you know what? In three, four years, they're going to figure this thing out. And it's going to be a tool that provides people with educational opportunities that they've never had. Uh, it's going to be a tool that provides kids with um, uh, experience that they would not have had. And it's going to make them more resourceful and it's going to teach them how to figure things out. And while it just, it just stinks for everybody right now, I think in the end, uh, for most people, they're going to come out on the other side and, and really have some tools that they didn't have in their, their, their tool bag before. Uh, some will be hurt by it. Um, but, you know, I think yeah. in, the, in the main, we're going to end up ahead of where we were. Yeah, I agree. I think we're all ultimately very resilient. Uh, yeah. Alona, Alona, what you had an interesting take on on uh, on families. As Rich was saying, although we're forced to stay in, 
so many people actually stayed out for the first time maybe in years you know going out on the bike trails and hiking and enjoying the weather enjoying the weather with their families with their kids i mean every time we'll go out and take a hike it's packed with people and that's one of the things that I think a lot of people are missing out on in their lives is to actually pause and look around and see the beauty in the world. It's, yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest things throughout the summer. And now that we're in holiday season, people are joining their families through Zoom. I mean, Zoom been around along Skype, along WhatsApp for years now, but now it actually got triggered that, hey, we actually can have a conversation with the whole entire family on Christmas day through Zoom. And all of a sudden we have the whole entire family joining and you know reuniting. Well, yeah, I guess I've gotten my one-year-old granddaughter is pretty cute on Zoom. I think I think we should get her on YouTube pretty soon. But I think <laughs> I think all grandparents with one-year-olds think that is probably true. Uh, Brian, why don't you jump in with the intro, and then we'll then we're just gonna play jazz and people weigh in on on various aspects of what could turn out to be good about this year. Okay. Well, one of the things that like uh, that sort of goes to what Elena was saying is. Uh, golf has made a huge comeback this year. Golf was really uh, on the ropes in terms of uh, people you know, belonging to golf courses, paying greens fees, buying equipment and so forth. But uh, the COVID, you know, golf was one of the first sports we were allowed to go do. In fact, my golf course here by me never shut down. So, you know, you had, all, you know, that was a sport that we could go play that was pretty socially distanced. And like you were saying, outside, enjoying the weather, you know, and the, the courses were packed, the ones that stayed open. Um, other thing is like uh, medical advances. We have, you know, telemedicine now is going to be a lot bigger part of our lives and should have been a long time ago. You know, one of the things that happened out of this is a lot of regulations got moved out of the way. Uh, people like the, you know, the FDA and so forth uh, got, you know, they got kind of a kick in the butt, so to speak, to like speed up, do things quicker. Um, medical machines like it became you know we had a need to measure people's temperature because now i mean there was a study out uh yesterday that you, you that there's no asymptomatic transmission or essentially no asymptomatic transmission if you're not showing symptoms you cannot give coronavirus to anyone which means these temperature checks become real important and now you've had a lot of innovation you know the temperature check started out as you know, using an old fashioned thermometer. And then we got the electric things that you go across your forehead. And now there's these things you just walk up and stand in front of them and they point something at your forehead and they know your temperature and about, you barely stop walking. So, you know, that that's a pretty exciting things and it's pretty cool way around a pretty serious problem. So I can see there's a, gonna be a big market in, uh, in portable and these, uh, these thermometers. So, uh, you know, the, the economist in me, the finance guy thinks, okay, well, then what I'm hearing is that there are a lot of winners. There are a lot of industries that are big winners. And we're reading a lot about the losers, which are the small businesses, the restaurants and the service businesses. And those are undeniably getting clobbered, but that people are, um, 
people are figuring out other things to do, and maybe even the restaurant owners may be figuring out new things to do when the when the when the veil when the curtain lifts. I know, Frank, you mentioned something about entrepreneurship. Thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, what you've seen is you've seen people that have been forced to 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 adapt and to evolve. You know, they say you know, like suffering is the mother of all innovation, and you know, on, especially in the digital realm, on a small business level, like the ones that are thriving and the ones that have gone through and the ones that have kind of come through that are, are now expanding their business in ways that are profoundly different than the way they were doing, you know, business a year ago, uh, whether that's, you know, online deliveries, whether that's, um, you know, doing more meetings digitally or remotely, you know, and that when you get this momentum to catch back up, as we come out of this thing, that's not going to go away. And those, they're going to continuously expand through that. Well, yeah, you mentioned the freedom word. Once you've had your business crushed, you have freedom. <laughs> we joke, you know, that's I the old Chris, Cro Chris Christophenson line in his, in his, in his song. Uh, yeah. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, as an entrepreneur myself, you know, you, you tend to get crushed doing certain things, but you learn a lot from it. And, you know, maybe maybe you're in a restaurant, you had a good menu, but not a great location. Well, now with everything empty, there are going to be a lot of great new locations available. So, you know, I don't know. Probably pretty cheap rent, too, because they'll be like, hey, come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Rich, you mentioned digital media. What's happening there? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not a bad year to be creating content for people to consume when they're stuck at home or out walking or or <clears throat> not in bars, not in restaurants, you know, they're looking for something to engage in and digital content, podcasts, radio uh, have all had a good year. Um, it's been tough on some people, but people are, they, they don't just want to sit around. They want to be doing something. And when they're walking, when they're exercising, when they're cooking, when they're out with the dog, when they're golfing, they're going to wear some earbuds and be listening to some content to keep them entertained and informed as to what's going on in the, the world around them. And so podcasts, uh, talk podcasts, the spoken word have done really well. And uh, so being in that business, we've seen a nice boost this year and, and the talk radio side broadcast is strong, very strong this year. So it's uh, people are looking for information and they're finding new ways to get it. And we've been able to deliver it to them, and it's 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 been a good year for yeah, it. That's a Radio America. Uh, you know, we don't have you and I have talked about this before. There's this word. There's this big word I learned actually just this morning when I was thinking about this show, called prosody, which is where there are people who believe I believe that the that the ear, the the fastest, most effective way to communicate is through the ear, through through speaking, and of course. You know, you think about Shakespeare, that was written for the for the ear and the audience and sermons didn't used to be written down, they were just delivered to an audience and and I, I think, I think that this lousy pandemic has caused people to re, move, move, move towards that I think it could be that I think that's a great outcome. I think it's been a bonanza for cooking. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> grocery store sales are up almost 30%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and you know, and cookbooks, things like that, are flying off the shelves. The uh, cooking channels, the cooking apps—they're yeah. they're all the apps. killing it. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the modern cookbook. <laughs> I don't know too many people that like flip the old pages anymore, but uh, but yeah, that's, and like 
So I think we're getting better food out of it because people are saying, you know, because I know personally I, I do the cooking around here and, you know, it's been more opportunity to like take your time and make something good as opposed to just throwing something together. So I think we've, you know, uh, Brian, you had mentioned a little while ago that golf has made a resurgence. Yeah. And it's funny. You look over my shoulder. I'm a horrible guitar player, but really enjoyed playing it all my life. And guitar gods, your Eric Clapton's, your Stevie Ray Vaughn's, all these guys have just kind of waned over the past decade and a half. And where guitar is really not a big part of music, pop music anymore. Well, let me tell you something. There are millions and millions of kids sitting at home in front of YouTube learning how to play the guitar this year. It's an explosion that is not going to go away for the next generation or two. And I'll tell you what, it's not just kids. Like I know I have three women friends who are all 50 or over who have taken up guitar and really gotten passionate about it and gotten pretty. Yeah. Yeah, which is great, but that's not going to keep it around for another generation. The thing that, and you're, you're right, that's absolutely has happened. But the thing I'm so excited to see is 15 year olds and 13 year olds discovering the guitar so that it's around for, I mean, because, you know, think about it, what would rock and roll be without guitar? So what would rock and roll be in the next 50 years without any kids learning how to play guitar? So I'm I'm pleased to see that really pleased. Fed a comeback (laughs) of that kind of music, right? You know, there's people are listening to the old, you know, like at at, uh, the school where I coach, there's a a rock and roll club where they're like studying Led Zeppelin and stuff. Yeah. Hey, I yeah. can help you with that. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, where, well, where, where is that? Where is that school, Brian? I, I think I move. I may want to audit that class. <laughs> Alexandria. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty close. Well, another upside I will tell you is online music. So all of these acts that I used to go see when I went to Jazz Fest in New Orleans every year, and and all the concerts that I've seen over my life, um, they're now performing on Facebook and yeah. and on websites. And so I can see all the bands that I love to go see any Friday or Saturday night right on my computer screen, whereas before I would have to travel somewhere to New Orleans or Nashville and go see them or wait for them to come here. Now I can just see when their next online concert is. So that's really been a neat, neat thing this year to be able to enjoy. There were a lot of people and a lot of like pop stars and rock stars that are famous that would actually hop on, you know, Facebook Live and whatnot and just do their concert. They had to figure it out just like we did. And one of the things that they did is neat is and the ones who've really done this right and figured it out. They created a tip jar so you could tip them through uh, YouTube chats or through PayPal or Venmo. And they've figured out how to make a living virtually and good for them. That's neat. I, I, I don't want to be the skunk in the party, but I will a little bit. I mean, we're making it sound like the best thing that ever happened is this pandemic and the lockdown. <laughs> um, yeah. And, it, and I, I absolutely agree. We're not going to go back to an old normal. We're going to go forward to a new normal and it'll have all these different aspects and that's going to be a very good thing. But what, what, what do you think have been the, the, the social, the psychological costs of people walking around with masks and shoving people off to be six feet away? I, I don't think masks are ever going away. I, I think that you will have people that are scared to death to ever not wear a mask again. 
And so I, I think that there's going to be a small percentage of people that, that still wear them. So, but I, you know, I don't want to focus on the the downs, but yeah, I I think masks are here to stay for a small percentage of the population. Well, Hmm. as long as it's a small percentage and it's uh, voluntary, I'm, I'm all for it. I, yeah, but but it's the mandatory part that uh, I want to get get us free of. Uh, yeah. Lona, what do you think of the social cost of people wearing masks? I mean, you're from, uh, where'd you grow up? Which country? Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. So you're coming to America from another culture into our culture. And we've got American freedom, which was very, very attractive um, to you and to me and to all of us. But yet we're now mandated masks. And how do you, how do you see this? Well, let me tell you, it's definitely better than back in Kazakhstan. I still talk to my family on a weekly basis. And I mean, they have penalties and fines that they have to pay if they're not wearing a mask walking outside. So I, my- I, I keep forgetting this is this is worldwide. People are, are, have been have been imposed. These mask requirements have been imposed everywhere. Correct. Yep. So every time my grandmother walks her dog, she has to wear a mask. I mean, right now it's cold, so it's great. It helps. But throughout the summertime, it was horrible. I wonder, if, I wonder if a ski gator would, would qualify as a mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking before, too, how, uh, you know, when they go on lockdown, I mean, they lock you down block by block with police barricade and don't let you, you know, you know, it come back and they still have the resurgence and things like that going on. Yep. So it's basically the whole city is divided in, I think, nine little areas. Um, and each one was locked down and you had to, like, each area will have their own stores and all of that, of course. But you weren't able to walk from area one to area two without any actual urgency and, you know, actual emergency that you have to go there well and they locked down new zealand and australia almost as almost as tightly so uh, you know what i'm hearing and i agree with your assessments is we've adapted we're 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 doing new things and and many of us are thriving but yet we still you know i i think we got to get out from under this government mandated lockdown uh but I don't, see, you, brother. I, don't see, I don't see how yeah. quite I, let's let's run the risks of being prognosticators here. I mean, it's the beginning of 2021. Uh, how do you, how do you guys see this mask or this lockdown uh, unfolding, and how how quickly can we can we go back to uh, the new normal? I think that one key thing that happened a couple of weeks ago over in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, uh, the 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 they ordered the restaurants closed. And the restaurant owners went to court and said, you know, you need to prove that restaurants are causing these cases, right? Because if we're not the yeah. cause of it, then we shouldn't be shut down. And the evidence is that about only about 2% of the cases are caused by uh, or caused or generated in restaurants. So a judge overruled the, the county government that wanted to close the restaurants and forced them to let them reopen. So I think one of the big things you're going to see, and I think it's a very good development, is some real, you know, almost street fighting type battles over uh, civil liberties and what is the extent of our rights and what is the extent of government's power to do things like this to us 
you know, under the rubric of it being an emergency and what constitutes an emergency and are we still in an emergency? And I think all those questions are about to get a fair hearing and, and, and it's way overdue. You know, I, I think, Brian, to, to follow up on that, I think you look across the board, you look at the election, the political stories that we've watched this year and, and COVID, and I think there's a whole lot of I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And yeah. I think that's where people are, where they're not going to be pushed down by the government anymore. They, they realize that, that they don't have to be forced to do this. And so just in those, whether it's local government or the federal government, people aren't going to sit around and just say, okay, if you say so, they're going to fight back. I think it's a day, you know, it's like the, the biggest threat is fear. Uh, nobody makes a good decision when it's based in fear. And I think you got this uh, kind of widespread fear going on, what, you know, whether there's truth in, in things or not. Like, I mean, you see like, you know, Britain says, oh, there's a new strain and everybody freaks out all of a sudden, like, oh my God, we're going to be here for the next, you know, you know, however many years, or it's going to keep going back and again. And uh, you think it's to be you'd be very conscientious of what decisions are being made based on, you know, this fear that may or may not have a basis behind it. Well, government lives on fear. And so they see this as an opportunity, but the fact that people have had to live through this is going to be their opportunity to say, no, I don't think so. You're hey, not we're going to do this level of fighting over this. We haven't seen in our whole lives. Yep. Well, the government and media lives on fear. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, even even Fox News has fallen into the trap of telling us all the horrible stuff. Um, and they, somebody mentioned last night this might last ten years. I don't think so. <laughs> People aren't going to put up for it for ten years. So. Yeah, you got to look at history. I mean, this has happened before. This is not un It's not like this is the first time this has ever happened in human history. I mean, it's like actually been a fairly regular occurrence. It's surprising that it didn't happen sooner. Like so. You know, I, I don't know if you, you look but at the Spanish it, but movie. It, but it, but it is that. the first time in human history that we've locked down like this. Yes. In the face of a virus or, or whatever. It's, it, it's always been take the people who are vulnerable, isolate them, protect them, and let everybody else go on living to develop that, that horrible word, herd immunity. God, I wish we could come up with a better term. Um, and that hadn't happened here. So this is the first time we've locked down worldwide this way. And, it, you know... The, the, you look at evidence from places that have had mask tight, tight mask restrictions and those that have had almost none, and there's no evidence that the mask reduced the incidence of the illness. Uh, matter of fact, there's some evidence that it might even be, uh, be less likely to get it if you're, if you're not wearing masks. I think fundamentally people will stop you know, sitting in their corners and not expressing their opinions anymore, like we saw it during the election. And I think that's going to continue on because people are done. They, 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 they're fed up with not being heard. And I think it will continue and we'll see more people actually joining the ranks of those who care. Well, this could be, and here's a real silver lining for me, the silver lining guy. This could be a new birth of freedom. Right. Uh, you know, people recognizing that they've got to assert their rights to be free, and that um, that's a very good thing. Yeah, you're going to have to go defend it, right? It's It's been sort of a given, like all of our lives, you know, everyone that's on here right now, the length of our lives, it's been given that we are free. 
and now it's be it's been challenged in a in a way that it has not been before and so you know you're starting to see like the Anne Arundel County you're starting to see some clawback some people say hey wait a minute you know unless you can prove this is this is a silver bullet against the disease you know then you're you're encroaching on rights you don't have the power to encroach on what do you think happens to the churches i've been disappointed that they've kind of just rolled over under these under these mandates and i think our, our right to assemble to to uh, practice our religion is such an essential well i think the uh the same group of people that you're talking about are going to wear masks forever uh are are not going to go back to church uh we, you know there's people we were talking about this the other day there are people that we have not seen since at our church uh since march they can't risk going inside the church and they, they're you know you'll just not see them at church anymore yeah but how many people are going to church now because of this virtually that have not gone to church before and so i mean you know if there is an upside to that situation it is that churches had to figure out how to be virtual and they possibly are reaching a new audience that they have not been able to reach before. So. I've read an article just recently where um, one of the parishes was talking about it and that so many churches went online, actually majority of them went online and they see people that they've never seen in the building right. itself. Right and might never see them but as long as that continues on being online streamed when the lockdown is off and we're all back to normal they might be still you know going although they will never show up at the building yeah. like another thing on that though the other side of that is the, the governor of virginia you know he increased our lockdown a few weeks ago one of the things he said he goes hey you don't have to be in a church to worship it's like you know what I don't need advice from you, Mr. Governor, about where I need to go worship, right? That's, I have the yeah, right to do I don't that. need to be in a church to worship, but if I want to be, yeah, you, you don't get to tell me no. That's correct. Well, this is, this is, this is, you're, you're, as I said, you're, you're, you're making me feel like this was all a very good thing. And that, uh, <laughs> except for those 40 million small businesses. You know the way I look at it, Bill? I, I look at it like war. Uh, out of every war yeah. comes some amazing technology and amazing advances. Yeah. Horrible, horrible situation that you would never want to see happen ever in your life or anybody's life. Just, I wish we could all get rid of war. But unfortunately, to this date, it's a fact of life. But you know what? A lot of really cool things come out of the other side of it. And if you can focus on some of those things, there is at least a small upside. You know, just watching us all on on Zoom now, I, I, the workplace is going to change. I'm not sure sure I want to own office buildings in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, but you look at what we're doing right now. We've got uh, six of us on the line here, and we're uh, we're a workplace right here, and we're creating something, and and we're all in different states and different places, and that's uh, in some ways I think we're more effective uh, in this mode that we might be trying to get to one place to sit in a room together that's true yeah and, and also the thing about the office space um i i think you're going to end up with different occupants and uh you know who will occupy those offices in, in manhattan they're not going to knock those buildings down right but the rent will be will price it in a different neighborhood you'll get a different kind of business 
using that kind of office space, right? You could be smaller and more agile and be able to afford Manhattan office space now because, you know, the traditional commercial real estate customers are drying up, reducing their fruit pit footprint, et cetera. Well, yeah, we're going to see a pivot there that like you've never seen. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine when my lease is up on our radio studios in another four years that I'm re-signing the lease for the existing square footage that we have. There's just, I, I don't need it. I, this right. whole thing has created a situation where even if people do need to be in the office, they don't need to be in an office five days a week. Right. I just don't need this kind of space anymore. And everybody is seeing that right now. And so you're right, commercial uh, real, realtors are trying to figure out what their pivot point is going to be. You'll see, uh, you know, you'll see, I think you'll see a lot of uh, smaller, like like smaller communities in probably these areas that have been seeing a drain towards the big cities over the past yeah. couple of decades have a resurgence because people can suddenly live where they want and still have a good job or still run. These walkable communities that are, you know, where you can walk to the town square and all the restaurants, they are going to explode. And people are going to be working from home or like we work situations where they have a, a central office where you go in as needed. Uh, yeah. Shared space. A little meeting space going. Yep. What Frank said, though, uh, like uh, the city I'm from in Louisiana is one of the biggest uh, population losers of the last decade. And part of the reason for that is you know, creatives have have congregated in certain places and creatives are not congregating there, right? So now you could be a creative person and live in Shreveport, Louisiana. You you know, yeah. you know, Alexandria, Louisiana, which is even smaller and deeper in the woods, right? Because, you know, you know, if I can turn on my computer and get Zoom up, I'm I can meet with people all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Michael absolutely. Porter, the, the business strategist from Harvard, wrote a book, and part of it was industrial clusters. And he talked about the advantages of Silicon Valley and Hollywood and Wall Street and the places where people have to go physically to uh, to collaborate and, and bounce ideas off of each other. This, you're right. This this may bust up the clusters in a way that gets that dif that diffuses that talent around the country and. Uh, um, makes it a very interesting and, and lively place. I, I, I like that scenario. Do you also think, Bill, that it could break up the, uh, the tribalism that those groups create? So the I Silicon do. Valley tribalism? I do. I hope so. I hope well, so. Yeah. We know they're a, mo nice. they're a monolith of, uh, of, of cultural and political views. And I, I, yeah, it could, it could break it up. It, well, they, get, they could get to know people like us. <laughs> yeah. The monoliths are all in trouble because, right, because there's so many ways to challenge ideas now. There's so many new ways to get your view into other people's minds. Well, well, back to the Fox News and CNN and versus the podcasts like this, you know, conversations like this are growing and people are, are hungry for conversations like this. They don't want to be talked at anymore. They don't want to be spoken to anymore by somebody sitting in a big glass desk in a big expensive studio. They want to have real conversations like this. And I, I think all of this is creating that situation where you're about to see the CNNs and the Fox Newses really be minimalized and conversations like this grow and grow and grow like they have been over the last couple of years. 
Rich, that was great. Thanks. Brian, that's great. Alona and Frank. Uh, very interesting. I think I think let's uh, let's keep in mind reconvening to come up with other positive things we can all uh, we can all look forward to. So anyway, thank thanks everybody for joining and uh, we, you and I we will all be talking soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes. 